Emma Wallace is a British television, film and stage actor, voiceover artist, model, stunt performer and coordinator, musician, presenter and production assistant. Gemma is also the voice of a title character in the action-adventure game Pandora. She has made appearances as a supporting artist in hit TV shows such as Black Mirror on Channel 4, Drifters on E4 and Hannah for Amazon Prime. She has dyspraxia, dyslexia and visual stress, Erlin Syndrome. This episode of a podcast is brought to you in association with Dyspraxic Help for You Women, who are raising awareness and support for dyspraxic women. Follow the account on Twitter at DH4UWomen. Now, here is your host, Billy Stanley. Hello, Gemma. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you keeping uh, during these turbulent times? Yeah, not too bad. Just, um, you know, taking each day as it is and keeping myself busy. Do you find yourself doing things you would have done um, prior to, to the coronavirus, as in, like, things you would like um, to keep you occupied and stuff? Or um, In a way, um, I'm trying to create new things, you know, as much as there is a bit more time, I'm trying to... Um, do new things like I'm trying to start writing which I would have never done before uh, with confidence so I was like yeah I'll start writing a bit and uh, we did get a dog near the beginning so taking him for walks early in the morning is definitely something new <laughs> so getting used to that as always. <laughs> Bless. I, I, I suppose after the lockdown and the coronavirus is over we're gonna have a nation of uh, bakers and dog walkers. <laughs> Oh, 100%, yeah. I'm not yeah. really much of a baker. I'm not very good at baking. I like baking, but not, I'm not good at cooking. <laughs> See, I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind baking. I just don't really like the idea of eating cakes. It just looks so unhealthy. But um, Exactly, yeah, because I would have to eat it all. So it's like, I'll yeah. be good. I won't bake it so I don't get fat. <laughs> yeah, I just don't see the fun of making the cake for not to eat it. You have to, you'd have to eat yeah. it to bake it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, so may I start by asking about your upbringing and childhood, if that's okay? Yeah, cool. So um, my upbringing and childhood, I've, I've been quite fortunate, to be fair. Um, you know, I have both my parents and my older brother, and, you know, we spent a lot of time together. Um, we spent a lot of time uh, visiting family. So at the time I had family in Wales, my grandparents on one side. And I remember spending most of like my holidays there, enjoying the beach, you know, playing with the dogs and things like that. So I really enjoyed that. And then every Tuesday, I'll go over my uh, mum's side, my nan and granddad's, and we would do all the sort of same things, catch up. Um, my granddad would help me with homework and um, we would whistle, sing songs, do the things I wasn't allowed to do at home if it because it irritated my brother. <laughs> so um yeah, no, I'd, I had a pretty good upbringing, to be fair. I'm really, I'm really fortunate because I've, uh, I've got a lot of happy memories. I've got lots of, um, my dad has a big circle of friends and we spent loads of times doing camping, going on little trips and because there was loads of kids. Um, well, we're all adults now, but when we were kids, there was loads of us. So we would all just spend time with one another and, and lots of sleepovers and things like that around friends. So, um, yeah, I have lots of happy memories, I'd say. I'm, yeah, it's been a good one. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I um, I, I'm, I'm really 
I really like it when I hear uh, positive um, childhood stories because it's like, I suppose there's a, there's always some negatives to some stuff, but on, on overall, I guess if, if you look back with tinted glasses, then you might want to look for negative. But when, when you when you can openly say it was positive, that, that's, that's nice as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, of course, there's, there's going to be negatives at points, but yeah. overall... You know, I think especially as becoming more of an adult, I've definitely, you know, become more grateful for what I have and, you know, not picking the little bits, being like, oh, but, you know, he might have irritated me here or this little thing happened here. It's like looking back at it, I've definitely learned to appreciate what I've had and, you know, spending time with loved ones and, you know, how a lot of them were there for me when I needed it, you know, with cousins and aunties and and things like that. So, um yeah exactly I think and I think also with my my mindset is always looking at the positive anyway don't get me wrong you don't ignore the negatives but um overall yeah I've 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 enjoyed my childhood (laughs) nice I think with this blitz war spirit well like war spirit we've got it's like we're 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 able to appreciate like the smaller things in life as well um you know we can appreciate the fact we've got our health um we've got you know as long as we've got food and water you know roof over our head you know um looking back it's, we've we had it quite easy looking going back compared to now haven't we? <laughs> oh, yeah exactly it's it's always funny because um for years you know when you get like the older generation going oh you were lucky you had this when you were younger you had this but um looking back at it, it's like wow we did have quite a, well for me I did have quite a bit like technology was developing at the time sure. and it's like you know I loved it I, it was a nice balance of technology and also playing you know in gardens and outside going on adventures so um yeah I think for me I had a great time like I was in a perfect kind of time <laughs> lovely I like that so um to what degree was your childbirth like from your parents uh recollection so as far as I know it actually went pretty smooth uh, my mum said that I was a water birth so I don't think the hospital had many of them. It was quite new. I remember she was telling me that it was quite bizarre. She had a lot of doctors and things like that in and out kind of observing because they hadn't really had a water birth, I think, there. Um, So, yeah, my mum said she had a pretty chill time. She just spent her time in, like, the paddling pool just relaxing. And um, it was on a Sunday, I believe, and the rugby was on. So my dad was just kind of peeking out, apparently the doorway, just keeping an eye on the rugby, being like, you're right, yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> so, um, yes, apparently she said she was pretty relaxed, but it took a while. So as she was about to get out, there came me. They caught me, luckily. <laughs> and things went quite smooth, which is which is really good. Um, so, yeah, I think luckily I, I was uh, my birth was quite safe. I was a big baby. But nice and healthy, you know. <laughs> oh, good, good. I, I I hear a lot of. I ask this question to every guest and um, about childbirth and childhood, and there seems mm-hmm. to be a, a mixed uh, bag of of answers. So some people say it was a normal childbirth, like calm and well, calm as it can be, and uh, childhood was calm and resolute. And then you've got other people saying that, but well, myself included, that say they had a bit of a a mixed bag of an upbringing and a really traumatic childbirth, a labour oh, experience. Really? So it's, and, and then going forward in terms of how to sort of work out where the dyspraxia came from, I I would, it's hard to ascertain whether it came from 
trauma from childbirth or delayed delayed um, development due to tra uh, traumatic upbringing or whether or not it's genetics, no one seems to know. And I think that's the, the big uncertainty of dyspraxia and, and hidden disabilities is, is what is the um, what is the root cause? And if there is no root cause, what, what, where did it come from? Where is it? Where is it stemmed from? No one seems to know. Yeah, no, it is so interesting, actually. Yeah, because like, to be honest, I I personally don't know where it com comes from. Um, and it is very interesting to think like there's not it makes you wonder if there's, this, as you say, a specific moment that it changes or it starts or, you know, it's a very, very interesting one. Yeah, it, it's like they say, I, I, I'm thinking like in terms of trauma side of it, they say that, you know, there's, a, there's been a lot in the press in the last week or two that uh, former footballers um, got dementia late in life because of hitting their head quite a lot playing football and like that caused like um that caused issues when they got older and then uh, you know could it happen in the reverse could we have done something as like because obviously the brain is it's quite formative and the skull isn't that strong as a youngster you know could it even just be a simple knock to the head no one would know would they but uh, it's... yeah that's, that is true actually and considering that like, i was a very clumsy child um I would always have bruises everywhere because I'd always fall over or something. So if, if it is that, it's definitely my fault. <laughs> I think um, it's just come to my head. Do you know, you know the phrase, um, don't drop the baby? Oh, <laughs> no. That could be the stem of dyspraxia. You never know. You never know. Imagine, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so what, what was your childhood? No, sorry. What was your education like, rather? So... Um, I'll focus mainly on like high school, uh, my high school, because that would be the the most prominent years, I think, for, for, you know, difficulties and good things. So anything creative wise, I loved, like whether it was um, PE, music, drama, art, like anything that was creative and, um, you know, practically doing something I thrived off. Like, I was so obsessed with all of that. You know, when you pick your options and you're only allowed a certain amount, I was like, okay, I'm going to do all the creative ones. And they were like, no, you need some, you know, more um, either like English or maths or something. And I was like, but I'm not good at them. I, I don't want that. So because I wasn't able to do all of my options, I was like, okay, luckily my art teacher, they they uh, started like a um, an after, call, after school class. So you would still get the same degree, uh, the same, sorry, GCSEs, but you would just do it, I think it was like every Wednesday, two hours or something after class, and you would do basically the whole course, but kind of short course. So I was like, yes, I'm going to do that, just because I didn't want to skip out on doing anything non-creative. I was like, well, I'm good at those things. Why can't I, you know, do it practically? But yeah, as I say, anything that was more practical, I was good at. But when it came to things that were a bit more, you know, anything that was like maths or science, I struggled so hard with them. I've always struggled quite a bit with maths. You know, that was always the things that, like like I said, like my granddad would help me with, with maths. Or it got to a point that when I was getting to my GCSEs, um, I was actually getting quite low grades for maths. I think I was getting like Ds. Um, and obviously... Maths, maths, English and science are quite important, especially, you know, later on in life, they always want 
at least I could see, for example. So luckily, because uh, my mum works at the schools, she had a friend who was able to teach maths. So I would have to get extra classes with her after school in maths. And as much as I hate it, because I think, well, most people who are creative are not a big fan of that sort of stuff. So um, uh, for personal experience, I hated it. But it was one of those things I accepted that I just had to do. Because it was like, if I just do it once, I get over and done with it. I don't have to worry about in college and things like that, being like, you haven't got your maths. So um, I had to get extra maths because I really struggled. Science, I think I barely scraped through. Like, it wasn't good. And that was the thing. Like, I'd done a lot of, you know, I'd done a lot of um, practicing and, you know, going over all the textbooks, everything you could get from W.A. Smith. Like, we had all the books and I would be writing for days and they would, I just found it so hard and for English for example I did enjoy English like I liked being creative and writing stories and using my imagination but when it came to physically writing it I it was like a kind of roadblock you know I, I still get in my speech you know you kind of have a bit of like a a bit of a pause and you're like where am I going with this it's trying to get all your your thoughts together and that's what I struggled the most so I think you know I had a couple friends and and my friend Katie she would help me every now and again I remember one time we were we were doing like this poem and I was just like I I can't do it and I think that's when she showed me like the right button and you know in words when you can look for other other um different versions of that word I, f- I discovered that and I was literally changing every single word. I was like, yes, that sounds smart. That sounds smarter. And it got me really good. And I got in like the top, top English class. And then when I got there, I think everyone was like, Gemma, how, how are you here? And you're not good at maths. I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to go with it. Let's <laughs> just ride. So um, I, I, I just kind of winged it. I think I would write stories forever and ever. Like I would run out of time in my essays because I'd still be going on and on. And then when you actually read it, you know, read it back, it would be the same thing, you know, just all jumbled up. So um, I really did try in school and I did enjoy it. Like I had great times with my friends and stuff. But when it came to more of the more academic classes, I, I did struggle. But, you know, I think for me, I just persevered. I was more my goal, as bad as it sounds, my goal at the time, I was like, I need to beat my brother. Like he's really smart. He's always been and he's He's one of the types of guy, you know, that just wakes up before an exam or test and they smash it without any, you know, homework or anything. And it bugged me so much because I'll be, you know, revising for weeks. So I was like, I need to get as many GCSEs as him or more to win. Um, so quite competitive. So that kind of kept, kept me going. But um, yeah, no, I did struggle with it. But I think I just kind of pushed through and I was like, I need to, like, I can't not fail sort of thing. Definitely. And with regards to uh, classroom environment, did you struggle as in couldn't keep up with, say, the teachers and the writing of the like, of the lessons? Or did you perhaps have problems with like what other dyspraxics have, as in handwriting, uh, where the hand hurts and poor, poor literature, where you can't actually read it? Or was it just other stuff that perhaps hindered you? Oh, yeah, I still have it now. I still write things now. And people are like, I'm really sorry, but I can't understand your writing. Like, yeah, I've, I still struggle with it. Don't get me wrong nowadays, you don't write as much, um, which is kind of fortunate for me. Um, But note taking, I couldn't keep up because 
It's that sort of thing of when someone would say a sentence, I would have to, you know, rethink it and say it again in my thought and go, okay, this is what they're saying. And then I'd be like, oh, hold on a minute. I've missed the next bit. Or if I, you know, kind of stumbled up at how to spell something, I'll be there trying to spell it. And then I've missed half the conversation that they've said. And I've always struggled that for a while. Or as you say, I would write so much and I would be writing literally everything they said because I didn't, at the time in like high school, I didn't, uh, I wasn't really taught like, no, just take notes. Don't write everything they're saying. Just take key points. And I was like, how did no one tell me this? <laughs> when I got to uni, I was like, why did I not know this? So um, yeah, I did struggle a lot. I would always be kind of looking at my friend's notes and be like, oh, what was that bit? What was this bit? Or how do you spell this? trying to catch up but then when I would look back at all my notes I'd have pages of notes but as you say I couldn't read any of it I had no idea what half of it said so um yeah my handwriting is pretty poor but if I can read it that's good matters <laughs> are you uh, left-handed or right-handed by the chance lefty true lefty same it's really it's really weird I, I'm starting to uh, tally up people like, who I meet in the dyspraxic community and we we tend to be left-handy people um which is like more annoying because obviously our handwriting is bad anyway and then you we're, we're literally making a mess of what we're writing because our hand is literally going over our ink so you're like oh get, get oh, over God, it yeah. and when you like there was these certain pens as well I remember you used to get them when younger when you would um advance from the the pencil to the pen and it was a special pen and everyone's like yeah I've got this pen and then they were really inky so as you say you'd have it all along your side and it's all smudged and it's like cool I just come out with all ink all over my hands yeah <laughs> literally all over your hand I had one um I was in an exam once and, and one teacher thought I was uh like cheating by taking notes on my hand because it literally looked like I had Hand, like text on my hand I was like no that's just the way I write it's just literally it's printing off my hand it's, it's not cheating but um it's funny you should say like about taking things too literally because I find that as as dyspraxics we we tend to do that like you said about um you would literally take every note of from a teacher uh from a whiteboard and literally take it as gospel word for word mm. and, and literally like I'm like that and if someone tells me something I, I will take it literally like if they say pick up the glass on the floor I'll pick up the glass on the floor I don't think to think well they don't mean with your bare hands they, they obviously mean with gloves but I just follow the instruction and I'll go with bare hands to pick the glass up that's just how my brain works but oh yeah 100% and there's a, it's just simple things that I think I find the most complicated way sometimes to do something but in my mind I'm like yeah that's that's the simplest way and then someone point out being like why don't you just do this you're like oh yeah yeah I should have done that my bad (laughs) (laughs) I I was helping uh, my father-in-law cut up some timber sheets um the other week as a favor and he said like sit on the workbench to keep the timber sheets still while he was cutting around me and I thought when he when he meant when he said sit on it to keep the weight down I thought he meant literally get my bum and yeah, sit on the sit on yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> he meant kneel on it. But I, when he said sit on it, I'm ashamed to sit on it. But you know, <laughs> I literally will follow the instruction, and I'm sure you will as well. To the to the dying kill, like literally, I will take it and run with it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. It's just so annoying when uh, people think with with like daft. It's just how our brains work. <laughs> 
It's like, no, I'm just listening to you. I'm making sure that I follow your instructions exactly how you said it. <laughs> yeah. So if you wanted it elsewhere, say it. <laughs> yeah, say it, definitely. So can you sum up your teenage years then? How was that? Not too bad. I think, again, kind of like my childhood, I spent a lot of my time, well, my free time, just spending with my friends. Um, I was very fortunate to have a good kind of, good group of friends in high school that we just kind of accepted each other for who we were and we would just be ourselves and I love that we yeah we would just go around each other's house you know having a good time listening to music watching films always going to the cinema like every weekend we'll go to the cinema or you know hang around uh, the shopping center <laughs> looking at things you can't buy um yeah so I, I definitely spent a large amount with all my different friends ones either that I met when I was younger or through high school and um just kind of enjoying that really I also spent as I said as my child I spent a lot of time with family as well um I just I think I've always just enjoyed surrounding myself uh with people and you know having a good time like my parents are always encouraging to do you know new trying new things and because I grew up in like brownies and cubs and scouts, it was always challenge yourself or, you know, if you're scared of something, try and do it. And I think that's how I kind of approach a lot of my life now. So yeah, I kind of just was always doing something. And my family were always, like my dad especially is always like, okay, let's go do something. Let's go camping. Let's let's do this. Let's do that. So I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's go. You know, you want to jump off a jump off a cliff into water? Let's do it. So we spent a lot of times doing activities and um, yeah, I would say if, if I wasn't with people and doing stuff, I was probably just chilling in my room, listening to music, learning songs and, and watching films, to be honest. I spent a lot of time watching films, definitely. <laughs> Have you got any uh, particular favourites you can uh, list off top of oh, your head? Of course. Of course. Well, it's when people are like, what's your favourite? And you're like, well, it depends what genre. But <laughs> growing up, it's always been, if I go Disney, I'll just stick with Disney for now. Otherwise, we'll literally be here all night talking about films. Or like films I enjoyed when I was younger in high school and stuff. It was definitely like Lion King, uh, Pocahontas, Mulan, and like Harry Potters. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with Harry Potters. So we would spend all our time watching them and do a lot of movie marathons. There was a lot of movie marathons when I was younger and, and the girly movies as well. <laughs> so yeah, so like, yeah, my childhood, well, my teens, it was definitely kind of being out and about. Don't get me wrong, partying every now and again, but it was with my same group of friends, just having a good time. <laughs> so as you had a ch uh, settled childhood, did you find that you was able to keep the same set of friends consistently? Like you didn't have any issues holding on to like friendships or relate like you know relationships in general just like do you find yourself able to just sort of keep a settled balance there well I think I definitely have found it harder as I grew up I would say when I was younger I was I've I've always been quite open and bubbly but I think that's because of you know who I grew up with like so for example my older cousins they they've always been very outgoing and bubbly and just such you know big personalities and I definitely wanted to be like all of them and my brother so I was like you know that's how I should be as well so I definitely adopted those kind of characteristics and I did have a lot of friends mainly boys I always had 
friends that were boys when I was younger but that was probably more because I was a tomboy um and I found it quite hard to have friends who were girls but as I started to grow up a bit I would I found my couple people that I loved of like girls and um yeah I think to get like really real I would say as I grew up I lost a lot of friendships and I think that was more through just naturally growing up and changing I think you know it's so hard to accept that you know we're all becoming our own people and sometimes you you do drift apart because you have different interests and different goals and different achievements but I always found it very hard to let go you know I'll be that person who would hold on to it like no no I would be chasing them and be like yeah let's do this let's do that and if they would bail or you know be like no I don't want to like, okay cool next time next time and I've always been like that for a long time. And I think only since kind of going into university that it really hit of like, well, if they don't want to spend time with you, you know, stop wasting your own time. You know, they should respect you as much as you respect them. And I definitely lost a lot of friendships doing what I wanted to do in the sense of um, when I left high school, I was like, I'm going to college. I didn't do sixth form. And I was like, I'm going to go to college and pursue acting and do what I love. And I think I lost quite a few friendships from that because obviously I didn't stick in our friendship bubble. And maybe they perceived it as, you know, she left. She doesn't care about us. I don't know. That's just me assuming. Um, but I did find it hard losing friendships. And I think I became a bit more adapting going, OK, however they are, I'll kind of act like they are. And I think I did start to change personality a little bit if that makes sense but yeah as I've grown up I think I've just kind of accepted you know this is who I am and if they don't want to be my friend as much as it sucks because I'm a I'm a sucker for memories and you know looking back at good times and you know being nostalgic and wishing that you still had those friendships but at the same time now it's like well it wasn't meant to be it's no one's fault you know accept it so um yeah it's definitely changed I think now as much as I can get along with anyone I think it's harder to make those true friends because you know you're still sussing out each other and they just might not be the right person for you but yeah I think I've just learned to accept it really that not everyone wants to be your friend <laughs> it's like that's okay it's not your fault do you know what I mean yeah it's it's like I felt it as well some someday you'll growing up and, and one day you've got uh the friends you had at school and the next day they're like somehow one day turns into a year and you you don't realize it but you drift away quite slowly and then you, mm. you sort of look back and you think hang on what happened there and then and then like them friends are no longer friends as such more acquaintances and yeah. i experienced it today funny enough i bumped into uh, uh my old best friend um childhood best friend who I'd known for the best part of 30 years, and I, I haven't seen him in like eight, eight years, but it's like, just funny, just one year becomes five, and then five becomes ten. Yeah. You just don't think about it at the time, and although you think, like, you've lost friends, you, you don't necessarily lose the friends, you just, you just lose touch. Yeah, exactly, and I think also sometimes you find those friendships when you do reconnect, and you're like, geez, it's been like a couple of years at least. But it's always so nice when you find those friends who you can just pick up where you left off and it doesn't matter how long it's been. And those friendships, I think, are so pure of like, 
you know, you don't have to feel bad doing what you want to do and pursuing your goals because you can just be like, oh, you can just hit them up and be like, yeah, do you want to go do this? Okay, cool. So, yeah, I think it's trying to find that balance of reaching out to the friends and, you know, wanting to hang out, but then also letting things just happen as it is and going, if it's not meant to be, it's just not meant to be. And, you know, they need to give as much as you give, I think. I think social media has a bit of a downfall in terms of friendships, though, in the respect that because we're seeing what the other person's doing and they're seeing what we're doing, they think that we're not interested in being friends with them and vice versa. And then somewhere along the lines, no one goes, hang on a minute, we just need to put our heads together and get in touch and, and go out and see each other rather than like just, just thinking that we don't like each other sort of thing. Um, yeah, 100%. It's just dropping them that message, being like, do you want to do something? Like, all right, then. You just have to have that confidence, I think, just to stick your nose in if they go, no, you're like, all right, cool, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, like before Facebook, we would have had to go around to that friend's house and look in their door, but now we just we just <laughs> pretend that we don't like each other because we're not talking on, on uh, Facebook. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember always just knocking on people's doors. So I, had a, I still have a friend, but she lives like two doors uh, down from me, from my parents' house. And if I wasn't at home, I'll be there. You'll be like, where is she? Oh, over this house. Like, because you just knock on their door and be like, are they in? If they're grounded, I'll wait. <laughs> like, or, you know, like the home line. Always sitting out while I used to sit out like on the stairs and just be phoning people. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those. They were the days. <laughs> yeah, they were good days, weren't they? But it's just, it's just, you know, I think we forget one day we're, we're I don't know, 14 15 16 and the next day you're 20 plus 30 plus and it's their days are gone it's just it's a, sad, it's a sad shame really but that's the uh harsh yeah, reality so of it all. Yeah. yeah definitely feeling that now because I'm much like yeah I'm 25 and I'm like oh back in the days and obviously a lot of people are like you're still really young but it's just so bizarre to think oh yeah that was like a year ago and you're like nope that was like three four years ago cool okay <laughs> <laughs> why, very why? weird Wait till you hit 30, then you're failing, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm starting to get my grey hair now. It's really starting oh, yeah. To, yeah, it's really starting to bother me now. <laughs> embrace it. No, embrace it. Natural. <laughs> I will do, I will do. Um, so, at eight, what age then was she diagnosed with dyspraxia? So, I was actually digna- diagnosed. I can't talk. Uh, diagnosed. Um, I don't know how old I was. I think I must have been about 20. Um, it was in my second year of university. I pretty much went through all of education. So I must have been about 20, I'd say. It was um, at the end of my second year, as I said. And I was really struggling with all my written work. You know, I so I'd done performance. So a lot of the courses was like, for example, 60% practical. And then obviously you had 40% written. So it's like, okay, I can deal with that, you know. But as the years went, the uni years went on, the, the balance started to equal a bit more or sway more to written. And I was just really struggling with all my written work. I think university was a big kind of eye-opener of how different writing is, like, academically. And, like, in college, I would just write and write and write. And they were like, cool, is you know, the best grade. And I would love it. I'd be like, cool, I'm such a good writer. But then when it actually came down to the quality of the writing and, oh, God, I struggled so much. So, yeah, so I I went uh, to 
so they basically done like the uh the testing at the time it was free and it was the last year that it was free at my university and my other half was just like just do it you know there's no harm it's for free and through my university experience I did have a few lectures being like are you dyslexic or anything or you know do you have any of that because your writing kind of suggests it and at the time I was like you know so the big comment they said it was like in my reflective journals they'll be like oh you write how you speak I'm like well well, yeah that's reflective like you write what you've done and I just didn't understand and I would get like my dad to look over my written work I'm like oh can you just double check over it make sure I haven't you know said anything wrong or things are kind of mumble jumbled and all over the place but I didn't really think I had anything you know because I was like it's fine it's just me this is how I write and this is how I process things you know I'm just not good at it but when I took the free the free course um at the end of it they were like yeah um overall it's dyslexic dyspraxic and visual stress and they were like are you okay with it and I was like well yeah you know I don't see it as as a bad thing I was like well what what's the next thing you know how can it help me and it helped me massively with university work with my writing um so I didn't see it as a negative thing and it didn't freak me out too much because throughout university I was kind of like well, maybe I I am you know because I have a lot of friends my other half you know have different things of like dyslexia dyspraxia and, and whatnot and it was just kind of a norm um and it didn't interfere too much, but it was mainly with writing. I was like, okay, fair enough, I have it. Now what? So, yeah, so I must have been about 20, I'd say. So it was definitely later on. But I think they said that often as you're growing up, you find ways of coping with it and working around it. And you don't even realise your kind of coping mechanisms. And um, I guess I was one of them. You just didn't come up really I didn't flag (laughs) so what was your experience with hidden disabilities before you found out that you were neurodivergent did you ever encounter anybody else uh with any issues that you you now know that you've got or did it ever come into your consciousness beforehand um well yeah I've always been aware of you know different people with uh learning difficulties and things like that uh, so, for example, my mum, uh, she works in my like, primary schools um, and basically since I was born, she's helped um, with children with learning difficulties. So I've always been around people with it, you know, certain family members, friends and stuff. And it's never been an issue or a problem. Um, you know, I think often it would only come up if in certain things are like education, you might notice of them struggling or or sometimes I would I used to compare myself with certain people of they were excelling and it's like why am I not and you would start notice certain people who were struggling with the same things you were but you didn't quite know why I think or you know, the big thing that used to be the joke of back in that high school they would get extra time so if you're like dyslexic or dyspraxic you would get extra time in your exams and I always remember, I was like, damn it, I wish I got a bit more extra time just to finish off my writing. And my friend, he was dyslexic and he would always, you know, take the mic and be like, ha, I get 15 more minutes. I'm like, damn it, I wish I did. So it was never kind of an issue. I think people who I, I was around with, we, we just kind of accepted it and, you know, 
some a lot of the people who who do that they would just kind of make a joke of it or it was just it was just them it was never kind of a thing so I never saw it as like a negative thing or it was always just you know different noticing different people's struggles at certain points going if I can help and you know that sort of thing so yeah hopefully as you can probably tell I waffle on and probably haven't answered the question but yeah <laughs> no no you're fine uh, so so basically you you, you you got diagnosed sort of after pretty much towards the end of your education really yeah um, so did like, it wasn't really spotted the signs weren't spotted in yourself for quite a long time so did you did you think that you masked it quite well like not knowing per like obviously not knowing obviously that you was uh neurodivergent but or did the education system sort of fail you in that respect and they didn't spot it sooner I don't know really I think I think I just masked it I think one of the big things they told me is when they were identifying if I had something I had to do a couple extra bits because they were like we think you are but you still kind of get around it it was kind of like the is she isn't she and I think that's partly for me to do with repetition so as I've grown up it was always anything if it was sports well, well say for example sports if I wasn't good at something say if like I kept you know mucking up throwing the ball to someone it was all about just keep doing it keep doing it over and over again and it was the same with anything learning wise if I couldn't remember something just learn it over just keep writing it keep learning it keep thinking it and I think for me that may have been a massive thing that helped me improve or assess as you say like cover it um and I found my coping mechanism but with anything that's more like speech and stuff I think people just thought it was me and I've just always thought it was me I never thought it was something else like for example with my family um often when I talk about stuff I may get I may say the wrong word, but my intention is another word. And I've done this since I was little, you know, it would be like, um, oh, an example, actually, one I used to say when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, I'm trying to be specific. But instead of saying specific, I would say, oh, I'm just being specific. And they would giggle and laugh because they think, you know, I've just got the wrong word. But I would so believe it's that word, but thinking it was the other one, if that makes sense. But we just called it gemerism, like, they were like oh you're just having a gemerism moment <laughs> not, not knowing it was just a harmless thing of like oh she's having a gemerism moment you know just harmless but when when it obviously did come come to light I think my f- parents probably did feel a bit bad of not noticing but it's like but it's not it's not like I immensely struggled just because I always saw things as more of a challenge and trying accomplishment and I think it just it must have just mixed in with my personality, I think. I don't think anyone saw that I was immensely struggling because I did have a lot of support to help me when I was struggling. So maybe that's what made people not realise that I was, you know, dyslexic or dyspraxic or anything because I just needed extra time to learn things. I just, you know, instead of having a week to do something, I needed two weeks. So I think that might be for me how it just got covered up of like, it's just, you know, my memory might be bad or uh, I'm too distracted and all over the place. I'm not focusing sort of things. So it may have just been that for me. I wouldn't say it failed because I did like do all right in my education. But I think, as I said, that was a lot to do with 
my family and friends around me being there helping and aiding me when I did. I think if I didn't have that support network, then yes, I think it would have been completely different. Um, I would have really struggled. And of course, when I found out, I was like, I wish I knew this before because some of my grades could have been better, you know, through my first year, second year, or even in high school, I could have got those extra grades because of my written work was always pulling me down. But I think I just, I just accepted it. I was like, you know, I can't change it. There's nothing I could do. I know now. And luckily it helped me in my most needed year of my final year university. I was like, I'll take it, you know, just run with it now. And just not be too hung up on it because as I say there's nothing you can do about it now definitely and I know where you're coming from in that respect because although it's your you're the you're the guest that I don't like to talk about myself all the time no no of course I like I like finding out about people (laughs) but I've mentioned this before on the other episodes but I only found out I was dyslexic about three years ago and although I've known I was dyslexic since the age of four I felt like if I had known that I was dyslexic throughout school, that that would have primarily helped me in my education more than knowing if I was dyslexic or not in the respect that like my handwriting or my spelling or, you know, the way I came across would have been, I would have had the right help. Um, yeah. But it wasn't to me. But, um, but in terms of being treated differently, I don't feel like it played a part. So I can't complain in that respect. So, that yeah. brings me on to my next question then. So did you ever feel different growing up, considering you only found out that you were uh, neurodivergent at university? Did you ever notice anything particularly different about yourself that compared to your peers that were probably excelling uh, in their, um, in their like, um, education compared to how you might have felt that you were a bit behind? Yeah, I think I think I always just thought as harsh it sounds and I was a bit brutal myself um, and you shouldn't say this about yourself, but I definitely thought I was a bit stupid. I just thought I wasn't as intellectual. I used to joke. I was like, all the all the knowledge went to my brother. I think he, he took it all up and I didn't get any. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I did feel like I, I was always behind a bit on, you know, the smart meter and I always thought I wish I was a bit smarter or or understood things a bit more like with maths or something for example I I just couldn't understand how some people would just get it like that and it blew my mind and it definitely frustrated me at times um because it, it is hard you know you don't want to fail and yeah I did find it hard and I did compare myself a lot especially in high school when you when the classes were always divided in like the lower class, the middle class, the higher, and then there was also like a an even higher one, like an extra one. I thought, like, well, why am I not in there? Like, you know, why don't they give me a chance? But I did get frustrated with that. But again, I was quite lucky that it never got, really got pointed out. I always had kind of someone, I always kind of picked someone in the, each class who, who was like my friend and just, they'll be my support system. Or if, if we struggled, we struggled together. And if I would get something they didn't, I would help them if they did, like, and vice versa. And and also, I think I kind of just got confidence after a while to be like, like, what's this? Up? Like, what is this? What What's that? And yeah, I think just speaking up kind of helped. Um, getting that confidence to just 
put your hand up when you didn't understand because for so long I just wouldn't put my hand up because it would always just be me being like wait what was that I don't get that explain that and you don't want to come across you know you don't want to be the stupid one as harsh it sounds you know people can be brutal when you're growing up and I didn't want that and yeah I did compare myself a lot but as I kind of went more into like college and things like that if I if I didn't understand I would just put my hand up because I'd be like well I might even though I'm thinking it someone else might be thinking it so I would just take the blunt of it be like wait no what I did not get that and there'll be so many times when they'll explain it to me over and over again and you can tell they're getting frustrated and yes some people might be giggling but I'm like well I don't get it it's my learning experience as well and you know I, I need to understand it because it, it, it frustrated me as well. I was like, I'm not getting it. So, um, yeah, I definitely compare myself a lot. But luckily, I didn't really get pointed out it too much. Because um, I think, again, people just kind of thought it was me. They might have thought other things, but I think I just kind of, I was quite, just like, ignore it. I just kind of ignore people's, like, opinions if it was quite negative and because I have my friends, you'd be like, oh, who cares? I'll help you. And you're like, cool. <laughs> it so might be bad, but you breeze along. <laughs> Definitely. So did you find then that when you got the diagnosis for uh, dyslexia and dyspraxia and uh, visual stress, that your dimmerisms were no longer dimmerisms, they were actually more generic than you thought, like other people had shared sort of the same traits as you that you, did, you didn't realise at the time? Or do you feel like they're unique to you rather than shared with other people oh no I I I I think it did explain a lot for me like it was a sense of relief to be completely honest because I was you know I was quite brutal myself and I thought it was me just not being clever enough or having enough focus or you know being lazy and things like that even though I may have not been and compared to other people I wasn't to me I was too brutal myself and thinking I just wasn't good enough or I just you know wasn't doing enough so it was 100% a relief and it definitely explained a lot of things and it's helped and don't get me wrong I still have my jabberisms I still say stuff and um my family just think it's endearing and funny and if I say it in like a professional way I'm kind of like wait because sometimes you know when you say something and then you know it, it's not the right word and you're like I didn't sound right and they give you that look they're like okay and you're like okay if that's the wrong word just tell me like I'm I've probably just mucked up on my words so um I just embrace it now like because I know that I say things wrong or I get kind of muddled up even when I'm relaxed or stressed it doesn't matter what condition I I still get it and you know I think especially friends they they just kind of accept it if if I get an idea and I'm like, oh, 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 and I can't get it out. And they're like, give her a minute. She needs a minute. She's got an idea. Just give her a second. I'm like, okay. And trying to figure out what I'm trying to say or, or I say something like my other half is always like, you meant this, but I know what you mean. It's like, it's, it's, it's quite nice that now it's, it's, it's not a problem. And yeah, as I say, I just kind of accept that it's also a part of me and some things that may not be the, the, um, you know the learning difficulties it probably is just me but I'm just that's just my personality <laughs> I'm, I'm saying but it was a massive relief thinking you know it's not all just kind of in my head and it, it's not me not putting enough work in and effort in and that was quite nice 
of course I would have wished I got help before of course there is a part of me going oh, damn it if I only had it then but yeah better late than never I guess <laughs> yeah definitely so, so that takes me to my next question in respect that you sort of learned that you, you had these uh head disabilities and then you kind of go like in hindsight you're like well I wish I'd known sooner but it is what it is and then so you're given the diagnosis um like in your second year at university um how satisfactory did you find the support and aftercare um given or not given when you found out that you was neurodivergent and also did it come to your aid and were you able to benefit from that new diagnosis so when I found out uh, they were pretty on top of it, uh, my university in the sense of um, helping. So I'm assuming most of the people got it as well. But I got, obviously, essentially free stuff to help me, you know, um, from learning from home. Because I always found it quite hard to focus and things in, like, the library. Most, most of my friends would be fine being in their little groups and writing the essays and things like that in the library. And I'd always find it so hard because there's so many voices and I'll get distracted visually. And I'll, you know, even though I'm looking at a screen, I would see something and it call my eye and it, it would drive me mad. So when when they were like, what do you need? I was kind of like, I just need things to help me at home. And, you know, being young and at the time, they're like, okay, here's a printer. And I'm like, cool, sweet, free stuff. Woo. And, you know, you just kind of take it as is. But the things that did kind of help me was like the coloured papers. I definitely didn't jump on it enough. I think I should have I should have made the most of some of it. Um, but the main thing when when I found out, I was just like, I just need someone to help me with my written work. I was like, I just need someone to essentially proofread it. And that was my main goal. And I did have someone to help me. I had this lady who pretty much helped me throughout my whole last year of university. And it was it was amazing like the main one I had was my dissertation I had a written paper and I've always dreaded writing like even though I would get my work done a week or two prior to the deadline and everyone would be like oh you've already done it it never meant that it was good it's just because I would have to spend so much time beforehand prepping and making sure I got it done because otherwise I'll just stress out and when I know that I have something to do I just want to get it done so it really helped with the support. So when I would see her once a week for like an hour or two, um, I would just bring my written, my writing, wherever it was, for example, it was mainly my dissertation because I really didn't want to flunk on it because it was quite a high percentage in my final year. And she would just help me go through it. So that really helped my writing. It pretty much brought my writing up from like, I was starting to get like D's and E's and it brought me up to like, I think it was something like that. Uh, and then it brought me up to like A's and being a first. Like I'd never thought that I would get a first on a written paper because I struggled so much in my first and second year. I was just so chuffed and I actually started to enjoy writing and going through it. Because when I was younger, whenever my dad would go through my written work, for example, I would just get stressed and angry and emotional because when he would read something out, he would just read the sentence out. Like, what's wrong with it? I'm like, I don't know. It, it sounds fine. And he'd be like, read it again, read it again. And I'm like, it sounds fine. And the more that happened, you know, he's just trying to 
make me understand my own faults but because I wasn't understanding I wasn't seeing those faults because to me it looked normal I would get so frustrated and so upset and it was probably the only time that I would butt heads with my dad because I would just get so angry and bottle up and it happened all the time it got to a point where I would just send it to him because it it was just I would just get too worked up about going through the written paper and getting upset that I couldn't see the problem with it and felt stupid and things like that and I just kind of parred it off as like okay it might just be a family thing you know you just get frustrated with your parents it might just be that but then when my boyfriend had to look over one of my papers in my second year before I'd done the test the same thing started to happen again he'd be like okay read it out and I'm like blah 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 cool they're like no don't you see it and he even got to a point where we almost had an argument I never argue with like other halves and I was like, okay, maybe something is wrong because I shouldn't be getting this upset and worked up and not seeing this apparently obvious problem with my writing. So yeah, once I once I got that and I was so worried that I would have the same issue with the with the lady who was helping me, luckily I just kind of because I knew it was something and it wasn't me, I just kind of let it go and I accepted it. And when I'll be like, I genuinely don't understand. And before getting to the point of getting upset or angry, she would just be like, no, this is what it is, blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of made me love the experience, really, because she was like, you do have a great paper. It's just all little bits all muddled up and, you know, sentences go on for years and <laughs> things like that. So, um, yeah, I had a, it mainly helped me with my final year. And I was beyond grateful. I was like, if it was going to, if it needed to happen, that was the year it needed and yeah I'm I'm grateful it did I'm I'm sure there was probably other stuff I could have got the the aid with it and it might have benefited I just I didn't look for it because I was just so focused on I need my writing to be better that's all that matters to me that's all that I want help with but um yeah but I do have friends who have had help consistently since they were younger and it's definitely helped them so I just hope that more people kind of do get diagnosed earlier because as you say you know the later on you get you do think of the oh if only I had it then if only this if only that so yeah it would be it would have been nice if I had it diagnosed earlier but I'm I'm just glad it's done and I needed it when I did I think if I didn't get the help in uni and it was like now for example I got diagnosed I'd I would be frustrated that I didn't get a better grade but then again I was very revolved around grades and getting the highest grades and now it's like it's not all about that you know so I think getting diagnosed later on it kind of made me just appreciate going well not appreciate but like value the important things and it's not all about grades you know life isn't all about grades and education and it's more than that so I think that definitely helped me kind of deal with it and process it I'd say Sure. So did you get the desired uh, outcome that you wanted then with that newfound help uh, and uh, accept like tools and, and stuff to help you learn? Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely helped um, in the sense of like just starting to process um, my writing and looking over it and the structure and things like that. And just the kind of the preparation beforehand and definitely helped with that. And things that I've adapted to it now um like the colored filters they really help me still now 
um, I get very overwhelmed with like massives of text and scripts and things like that, which is ironic because my career completely revolves around a script. Yeah. And when people are like, oh, do you enjoy reading scripts? I'm like, no, I hate it. And it's not because um, I don't enjoy learning about it and, you know, discovering it. It's, it's the initial thing of seeing the amount of text and it's just overwhelming. So things that I've kind of um, used to help me is, is like colored glasses. I found some on Amazon. Hopefully they help. I don't know if they do, but they're like yellow filtered ones. I have them on my desk actually. And I use them on the computer and things like that when I'm like editing or any sort of thing just to kind of give me the sense of just calmness, a bit of relief being like, this is helping and to not focus on stressing about certain things um that's definitely helped me nowadays and that's probably one of the things that i i use the most um on words i love like the text to speech because i always find often when i read something i won't understand it until after i've read it or after it's been said so having like it spoken has really helped me kind of hear it and then also see it in this, it's just kind of that, having both those things aid a bit. Um, so yeah, some of the stuff has helped. I'm I'm sure there's a lot more stuff that can help out there that I probably haven't discovered. But those two kind of things, I think definitely make a bit of a difference now. And, and as I said, just giving myself time to, to look over it, to process whatever the information is and just read it over and over and over again I still I still make mistakes I still muck up sometimes and read things wrong or misunderstand something but I just try and do as much preparation as I can to avoid that essentially and I think that's my way of coping with it or if I do get overwhelmed in a situation or just not understanding it or something just take myself away from it for a bit and let myself calm down because you know nothing's going to be resolved in a in an emotional state so I, I give myself time I think just to process and relax and take it in <laughs> sure. so do you find that uh in your line of work you, your class is self-employed would you say yeah yeah so I am self-employed so would you how do you go about getting reasonable adjustments if say for instance reading a load of script was like when you're acting or when you're voiceovers etc it was too much for you um because there is now the ability to say uh do things like with audio like instead of reading the book you can now play have it played in your ear um mm. like Amazon do for instance like how would you prefer for instance to have that playing into your ear rather than to read it would that would that be a benefit to you or would that be more of a hindrance oh 100 percent like that's that's why I kind of use word as much as it obviously sounds a bit robotic it still helps me form it all together I think for me even though I'm very much a visual learner when it comes to like text and things like that it's just too much so having that audio aspect 100% helps me and it keeps me a bit more engaged um so yeah I think with like the self-employed stuff initially it was all very overwhelming for me but I think that was also also just me it wasn't anything to do with all of it but I just tried to get the I just tried to find help with it um so as you say there's obviously lots of different things to kind of aid it I think that definitely helps with me personally of having options instead of just one thing that you have to do 
in the sense of you can only read it if if there was other things it definitely helps or yeah 100 percent. i think that definitely helps like for what also helps me is you know i love watching films and things like that i like watching anime and instead of just automatically pressing english dub because some it's not as good sometimes having the visual kind of the subtitles as well really kind of helps me with my reading because I am bad I don't enjoy reading books I I find it the most stressful thing is like just chilling reading a book I don't like it (laughs) that's why I like comic books and things like that because you have the visual visual picture and it sounds silly but having yeah having other options of learning stuff and also just forcing yourself a bit but in in a way that you enjoy 100% helps so yeah so having audio kind of aid and stuff I think is is a lot nicer or like the different kind of text colors and fonts and things like that I think they are very good brilliant I I, am there's two things I want to go back on because I'm intrigued by um when you said about how um you was grateful that you got uh, diagnosed at college, uh, university rather, because the, the, the I feel like there's a common consensus to the fact that university and college tend to be, in my my opinion, um, mm. where most people are like in neurodivergent uh, in the scene seem to get diagnosed. It's like that seems to be the best place that people actually want to help, and they spot the signs. I think because you're not so naive and young but you're not so old and and like uh mumbly you know you, you sort of in your infancy still but not you know you're not past it but you're still you know you're bursting with life and i think people sort of see that energy and they go hang on what, you know let's harness that energy and then they go how can we help you and i think that's the best place for people to get help um so I, i've said this in, the other, in my other episodes i feel like if people are listening and they're at a stage in their life where they're at college and university, but they think they've got, say, dyslexia, dyspraxia, um, you know, um, autism, uh, Asperger's. Best thing they can do is go to their education support team at their um, place of education and ask for help because I feel like that's probably their chance of getting support um, before they go out into the open world of, of, of employment where it's more of a, a struggle um to get that support um yeah no 100 percent. i think it's just as you say i think the reason why a lot of people may discover it a bit more in the kind of university or college stage i think it's also because that's when you start to decide what you want to do as a person yeah. and as you say you're not so scheduled into you know the basic stuff that you need need to learn you start when you start to do what you want to do I think that's when you get your motivation and goal as a person to be like well I want this help I want to do this or that and I think that as you say that's when you discover it most because for me I knew what I wanted to do and my goal so I was like I need to find out what can help me I you know you start to look for things yourself instead of being just given it and I think that's the big difference of of anything is is starting to seek things for yourself and just learning to to ask you know to ask for the help because there's always something even if you don't go to university um or drama schools or anything and don't have that 
that aid and that support that they have there's so much out there for to help anyone with anything like for example what i'm discovering so in this lockdown everything's pretty much gone online you know a lot of the acting communities are all online and trying to network and social and i never realized how much support there is you know just people giving one like support to one another or things they might be struggling with and just talking about it whatever it is you know we all have our struggles whatever despite what what career you do you know there's always going to be something something that we struggle with and obviously having a learning difficulty it does add a bit more you know when you are struggling it it is a bit of an extra struggle as you could say and I just think it's so good that there are so much support out there and I think people just need to find that confidence to ask and to and to seek and spend that time looking um to what can help you and you know yeah what can help you in that situation because there's always something or someone who will help you and if you can't find it turn to family members or someone who may know it you know and that's why I think online kind of platforms are so beneficial at the moment things like that because it's so easy to find that support because you can just google it you know and um yeah turn turn into any support systems that you might have whether it be universities college family members who might know friends there is so much there to help you and people wanting to help I think it's amazing and I think yeah just finding that confidence to speak up and saying I'm struggling I'm not I'm not doing very well and I need help with it and once you accept that that it's okay and it doesn't make you any less or any smart or anything is once you put that aside because it's not it's not your fault but it doesn't mean that you still can't get help and people still treat you with the right respect and you know and, and get the job done whatever it is that you need it done really definitely nicely said I like that that's, that's very uh that's very well said. That's gonna that's gonna uh, hopefully help a lot of people. Um, you know, follow like in our in our footsteps in the years to come when they go for the education system and uh, they're gonna uh, approach the workplace and they're gonna go want to know how to go about doing stuff and that's that's that summed it up yeah, nicely. Hundred percent. Hopefully, so, it does help more people. <laughs> definitely, that's the reason why I'm doing this now. I think. If you know, if, I don't feel like I've got much to offer, but I feel like if I could just give somebody a bit of knowledge as to what I didn't know, and you know, like yourself, what you didn't know, what you know now, mm. kind of give them that that little bit of a platform to take a leap forward. Yeah, and learn from mistakes and things like that, or learn from different, as you say, different people's experiences and going, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's such a key thing of of an individual is learning from other people and taking it how you want wherever it may be and running with it it's always good definitely so would you ever say then um that you've ever found your dyspraxia daunting or have you embraced it um yeah i think i have found it daunting um i think obviously before um before i knew i found that I may have not spoken up or said certain things or my views or opinions because I may have just thought I was a bit, you know, not as smart as everyone else. So it may have held me back in some of those ways or 
or I didn't have the confidence because I knew I wasn't good at certain things. Um, but since knowing, of course, I, 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 it still obviously gets in the way. I think one of the biggest things I've always, I always get very nervous about is like, for me is networking events and, you know, anything that's industry wise. And they will say you need to come across as professional and, you know, well-spoken and you meet people who are so well-spoken and they just sound so smart and of course I get intimidated sometimes because it's not it's not their fault but it's just me getting too much in my own mind of like I'm not clever enough you know I I can't articulate the way you can and it definitely it still gets me nervous sometimes and not wanting to go to certain events and meeting certain people just because of my own nerves but as I said, I think it's just kind of trying to embrace it and accept it. Like you can only be you and I wouldn't change anything, you know, because you shouldn't have to change anything. If they, if they, if they like you for who you are, that's the most important thing. As long as I'm being myself and, you know, trying your best or whatever it may be and trying to be professional, but you can still be you, you don't have to be fake. And I think for me, it's a lot of just, talking myself around it and giving myself the motivation of like it doesn't matter you know you may have certain setbacks and especially with like auditions and things like that like face-to-face stuff oh my god I get so mumbled and like they will ask a simple question and as you probably know I go on and on and on and on and I don't know when to stop and I think will it affect my my chance and opportunity because I may not come across like I know what I'm saying or done my research but it's actually just the fact of I'm stressed so much that I just can't get out um so yeah it still does worry me with certain things and how maybe I'm perceived and come across but like I said I think just sometimes I've just because I've I slowly build up my confidence and you know try and reassure yourself that you are good at what you do and you can only do as good as you can and be yourself and if it's not good enough that's fine you know, it's not a personal attack and just letting things go. I think one of the biggest things I've, I try to try to do is just let it go, especially with like the acting world. You get a lot of rejections and turndowns and you do start to get stuck in your own head and think, is it because of this, this, that, that, that? And it's so easy to do. And it's fine to do that every now and again because it's always good to re- like, you know, to assess and reflect. But with like the learning difficulties, I just really I don't let it get in the way because I don't see it as a a bad thing I just try and see it as like it's just a bit more of a challenge at certain points and I just work just work through it and as I said I don't see it as like a side thing I just see it as a part of me as I say with like the generalism I just accept it try and accept it as me and that's my personality and yeah, I may struggle a bit more than other people in certain aspects or go around it the long way or not the best way, but that's that's my learning process and that's my journey and just to embrace it and enjoy it. Nice, nice. So what, what day-to-day coping strategies then do you use for dyspraxia, especially when it comes to acting or uh, doing voiceovers and uh, modelling and... Uh stunt performing coordinating stunts etc so I think with anything kind of physical um it's just kind of talking yourself around it but it's 
at the same time, I find it hard to pinpoint certain things that I can say that the learning difficulties come into play because I I don't really identify specific things associated with specific things, if that makes sense. Because sure. I think, because obviously I found out so late, I didn't know it's, oh, because you struggle specifically in this and this and this, and it's because of that and that. It blends so much for me because maybe I haven't done enough research. I don't know. But for me, it's a lot of just talking talking through it or just shutting your brain off you know especially anything physical is just not overthinking and getting too wrapped up in my own head I I find it very easy to and that's when I'll probably fluster or get something wrong especially with lines you know I think if if you've done the preparation it will pay off and it's just trying to make sure that you're in a calm state and or use those nerves as as energy to to propel you and you know to keep you going I think that helps with that sort of side with with voiceover I find it quite calm in doing it at home I I do it here in, in my studio and having that kind of just re- relaxed environment allows me not to stress out and let anything kind of creep up and and overwhelm me and get too much and 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 with acting to be fair like as much as I say scripts and stuff overwhelm me I quite enjoy having the script because it's someone else's words. I don't have to worry about my own structure of words and if it comes out right or sounds weird or I've said the wrong word because I'm learning someone else's words. It takes that pressure off a bit for me. Some people enjoy having the freedom of, you know, improvising. Of course you do at times. But for me, I enjoy having the words and I try to stick to it as much as I can because once I've learned it, I can just enjoy myself in the scene and, you know, essentially explore the character and what they're feeling. And I don't have the thing in my, in the back of my head being like, Oh, does that sound right? Did you go on too much? This, that, that, all those little, all those little voices in your head. And I can just be like, no, this is what it is. I'm creating something that someone else is doing and a collaboration and a hundred percent helps with that sort of stuff. And I say, it's just getting, for me, it's just, getting out of my own head and just be like ignore those little things <laughs> <laughs> definitely so dyspraxic help for you women account on twitter asks the following more men than women have a diagnosis of dyspraxia and that of the women who are diagnosed they are more likely to receive their diagnosis over the age of 18 than their male counterparts there is a lot of speculation as to why this might be but it seems that many dyspraxic women are missing out on the same opportunities as their male counterparts due to a lack of recognition or support. Knowing this information, how does it make you feel or do you think you would have benefited from early intervention? And what do you think needs to occur to increase the recognition and support for dyspraxic women? So reacting to it, I didn't know that. Um, I think I've always been aware the the especially in the younger kind of children as far as like I know um in my previous schools there was always a lot more boys in the learner difficulty classes um and as far as I know and what I've been told and what I've heard they've always said it's partially to do with it's harder to identify in women because it's so much more complex um <laughs> but I think if 
if nowadays if if that's identified that it is harder to you know discover in, in women and young girls and things like that there might just be they may just need more support and more research into discovering it for women you know and you know more people to invest in taking the time to discover it um yeah i think because it is important it's so important for for any child it doesn't matter what gender you are if you need help you need help and you know if a kid's struggling they should get the the aid um so yeah it is surprising but i i understand it because i have heard it you know most of the time women are identified with learning difficulties older but yeah i think there just needs to be more research and maybe just more time spent in learning why it's harder to identify in women and let's make a difference let's make a change let's let's work on it so more younger women and and more more men can find it out earlier and get the support they needed through their education to succeed and not feel like it's them struggling or or have the kind of insecurities that I may have had and other other people have had I think yeah we just need to work on it and hopefully more school systems I, I obviously I'm not so sure who it all goes through but whoever they are they need to maybe step on it a bit more and if they need help to fund it and research it and organize it then needs to be more awareness to push it so I think it's if, if if say for example we struggle and we got it later on maybe now I, I I'm aware that maybe I need to push it more and that more more children do need to get that support that they need but yeah but it's very interesting though I didn't know that yeah it is interesting and uh, well said I totally agree so how did you get into the industry that you're in now then did it come to you obviously you wanted to do it I guess from a young age because you went to college, uh, university and performance and acting and did you always have dreams of doing that when you were younger or did that come to you kind of late in the teenagers the idea of getting into the industry so I always thought I wanted to do it when in like high school when I was about 14 ish 14 15 but apparently my mum did say when I was younger that I wanted to be Hermione so obviously as I said I was quite obsessed with Harry Potter and she'd be like, oh, you want to be an actor? I'm like, no, I want to be Hermione. I'm going to be Emma Watson. I'm going to be Hermione. So I think maybe I kind of wanted to do it by then, but taking it seriously, it was 100% when I was like 14, 15 of getting that buzz, being on the stage. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do and just pursuing it and working hard. Um, I didn't essentially have any leeway into the industry and I'm still working on that now, but that is partially to do with, you know, the real, the real, just being aware that some people do have a gateway into the industry because of connections they have, or certain family members might have, you know, be in the industry and none of my family are, but instead of letting that stop me and get me down, I'm trying to pave my own way. And yes, I'm aware that it might take longer because I don't have those extra bits to help me in I am working a long way essentially but it's just all about working hard and determination I think like anything if you want something hard enough or once once I make so much you will put time and effort in to make your way into it and succeed 
And I think for me, overall, it's just feeling fulfilled. I just want to feel fulfilled and happy that I've done as much as I can and successful in my own way. It doesn't have to be to the extent of certain things. Of course, I have dreams and ambitions and goals. But yeah, I, I think with any industry, it's just about working hard and, you know, not letting other people's opinions or views stop you from doing what you want to do so yeah I haven't I wouldn't say it's been the quickest way in the industry and I'm still not there but that's that's just how it is I guess and as I said just trying to enjoy the process because I may look back at this in five ten years and being like that was a great time and that was when everything changed or where you know I found myself more and things like that so I try to take it like that of it's just how it is don't compare yourself to everyone else because that's when it gets you down <laughs> you say about playing the long game but I feel like playing the long game when you get to that that destination where you want to be I feel like you'll be more enriched and you'll savor the moment more it'll be it'll mean more and it'll it'll uh it, having done it all yourself it'll be a bigger achievement so you know yeah. you know there's a pot of uh, gold at the end of a rainbow as I say Exactly. Yeah, 100%. I think also, you know, some people who maybe make it so early, they might regret that for, you know, because it's like I didn't go through the learning process of, you know, I, I still I'm so judgmental of my performances. And and it says I'm relieved that maybe I didn't make it a couple of years ago or how many years ago when I was younger, because when I look back at some of my work, I'm like, oh, my God, it's awful. And I might think the same thing a couple of years time from here. So I think as much as I say it's, it's the long route, as you say, it's more time for me to learn and grow and develop my craft. So then hopefully when I do get that big opportunity, I'm like, thank God I spent all that time mucking up or, you know, not thinking I was good enough or improving because now I'm making the most of the opportunity now and giving it everything. And as you say, taking all that knowledge, putting it straight in there. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, no one ever says, Look, who remembers the Marlon Brando when he was 20? No one ever says that. They always say, look at Marlon Brando when he was 60. No one, you know. So, exactly. Not, age is not, age is not an issue. No, not, you know, no one ever says, oh, who remembers like the 20-year-old Lawrence Olivier? Nobody. It's always the <laughs> Lawrence Olivier when he was 50 or 60. You know? Exactly. When they made something good, when they made a difference. Yeah. yeah. Same for uh, Dave Judy then. I don't think nobody can recall what she did. 40, 50 years ago, but everyone knows it was uh, M from uh, James Bond or, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I, exactly. It's all what they do with their time that makes the difference. Play the long game. That's the best way to go. Play the long game. So, as of this Brexit then, how did you ever begin to get to grips with performing and coordinating stunts? Surely that would be the wrong kind of job for this Brexit in terms of being clumsy, etc., the usual stereotype, stereotypes. How, how did you, uh, you know, I want to use the word, and I'm, I'm, I'm using it as a pun here, how did you wing that one? <laughs> I think um, that probably all came into play as a kid. Like I said, um, my family have always been very adventurous and trying new things. And I just kind of got obsessed with adrenaline and doing adventurous and fun things I just thrived off it and I think that kind of comes into play with stunts and combat and things like that as much as 
I may get stressed in the in not maybe retaining it as quick like I said it's I think what's helped me so much is all the repetition throughout my life depending what it is and what I still implement now repetition is so key and especially I think for someone with a learner difficulty because it allows you to just process and retain it and that's definitely helped for me I think and like I said just being like oh can we go through it again can we practice that bit again and just working through it step by step and then retaining it a lot easier um and just giving it all what you got like I you know I'm still learning a lot with stunts I'm still so new to it because I am predominantly an actor and the team that I'm with they're so understanding so I'm like wait can we just do that bit again because I didn't get it or you're about to do something you're like oh wait no that that wasn't it okay cool but because you learn the fundamentals and the safety I think that really helps because if I'm not ready for something they will know and if I've blanked or I'm like I have, I have no idea what we're doing they can they can read it and they they will know um so yeah that's definitely helped and I'm still clumsy I'm so clumsy it's not sometimes I like I joke around with it with, like with my friends and things like that of like you will see something right in front of you like a door frame but I'll still walk into it even though in my mind I'm like yeah I'll walk around it still still happens all the time I think it's just for me trying to really focus and give it 110% when I am performing anything that is a bit of a higher risk or even just scripts and things like that just giving it my all and try and focus as much as I can to hopefully not slip up and muck muck up but then also I think it's also just remembering that we're all human loads of people make mistakes you know like you can learn a script so well and and then still completely blank and have no idea and just accepting that it's a workplace and you do sometimes have the time and to redo it or just start again I think the biggest thing that's helped me is if I really am getting mumbled and like flustered and freaking out it's just sometimes you do have the luxury in the scene to just stop and then start that line again you know if I've if I've mumbled the first and second letter around or you know when you have like two words and you flip them around like the first letter I do that all the time so I think knowing that you're safe in the environment and being able to essentially have those fails and just keep going and I think that really helps especially for me with acting and stunts and things like that is there is a reset button because it is you know this is a performance it is entertainment and you can sometimes go with it whereas if you're on theatre and you do fumble you just have to roll with it you can't go hold on a minute stop there I map up on that word because most people are like oh I didn't realize or or if you did if it's something physical you did accidentally make contact and hit someone you're like just go with it keep going so um yeah it's just working with it I think and um feeling safe and comfortable in the environment it, whatever you're doing that you might have that room to muck up obviously if it is something a lot more serious and dangerous you <laughs> obviously you don't want to muck up so yeah I think for me it's just giving it 110 percent being as focused and prepared as you can and making the most of every moment as for me on set if if you do have 10 minutes you're like can we just quickly go through that again can we quickly drill that or or if it's just me I'm like okay these are my lines and have cues or certain triggers that will make me remind it actually one of the biggest things that does help is being physical like a lot of the time when you are sitting down learning a script 
for me i won't remember it that well there's a certain point there's a certain point that i just need to get up and start doing it and if there are certain obviously it depends on what character but say for example there are certain movements at this point when you're waving you have to say this line those physical cues and actions definitely help me remember stuff and aid when i am struggling of like i can't remember it or you know anything like that so that definitely helps me personally i'd say nice so you've appeared as a supporting artist in hit shows such as uh black mirror drifters and hannah um did you enjoy working on those or was that oh, quite yeah. yeah did you find them quite relaxing as well or or at any point was it stressful Oh, I just love it. I think so when you start to get into like uh, supporting artist work. I think it's so relaxing because you don't have the stress of lines and such like the the pressure of maybe being the lead or supporting things like that. Because I love just being on set and being around in the environment. I just thrive off it Um, because Black Mirror was the first thing I ever done screen wise. And am I in, am I seen in it? No, <laughs> but I was there. I experienced it. And I just, I, as I say, I got the bug. I got obsessed with it. And I think when you're in your, your environment and what makes you happy and fulfilled, I think sometimes those things that normally do get in the way in normal kind of circumstances, for me, they don't really tend to, get in the way too much because I am in my element and I'm just loving life and I think yeah it just doesn't happen as much but whereas if I'm in more of an uncomfortable state or stressed or got other things in my mind then of course it it will stress me out um and they say you just turn turn what was they say you turn your nerves into excitement and that's definitely what I try to do and when I'm on set if you are kind of freaking out a little bit I turn it more into a buzz I'm like oh I'm on this program like even if you're all just in the background chilling you're like cool <laughs> you just yeah you just love it I'm getting that buzzing feeling from you because from reading like uh doing my research into into your backstory and your career and from what you've told me previously like you've you've even provided uh production assistance at Pinewood Studios which is the home to the James Bond franchise like you really want to around that kind of environment it kind of you feel comfortable that in that sort of scene don't you kind of that's where you're at your element yeah exactly like I just try and get involved in as much as I can um and just getting so like so the company obviously I work with like so they're on Pinewood lot and you know when they gave me the opportunity to come along and like assist because I never done anything behind camera briefly at uni but I was just like cool I'm just eager to learn and I think when you have that mindset of whatever, if you found the thing that you love, you just, I think you naturally kind of uh, give that. And for me, it's just more excitement. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let, let me do something. Let me get stuck into it. And I just thrive off it. Yeah. I think when, whenever I think about it, it does give me that buzz and it still gives me that buzz. And yeah, I'm just so grateful that I found my passion and the thing that truly is for me and that I love depending what kind of creative path it is and that's why when people are like how do you do all those things it's like why I see it more as being a performer you know you, you can do those different things of course it's always good to be having your path in the one thing but at the same time 
there's still nothing stopping you learning new things. And I think that's also what I enjoy is just learning, being on set and whatever it might be in front or behind the camera. I'm just, I'm just obsessed with it. I love it so much. It's just, yeah, that's, it's me and my element. And fortunately when I get to do it, my insecurities and things like that don't come in too much because as I say, I'm just, I'm too, woo. Because when I come back from stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, I've done this, this, and that. And I was just buzzing off it. So, um, yeah, Find, finding your passion and the thing that you love or discovering it is one of the best things because you start to see what you love and don't love and you go, okay, no, I'm not doing that again and, and so forth. Oh, lovely. Nice one. So you also discovered that you've got a knack for accents and uh, you do voiceover uh, material for a living. You've additionally got your own... Uh, voice recording studio as you mentioned earlier um in the comfort of your own home what what kind of voiceover work do you prefer doing most because you do um video games you do adverts you do all sorts so but uh, uh, what, what, what sort of rock your boat what rocks your what rocks your boat in that in that regard sorry yeah i think i do love all of them but i think i love the video games just because of the fact that like, it's a video game right that's so cool um but for character wise I enjoy um delving into a bit of a character on the backstory like I'm okay at some accents I'm still working on it with me I always try like to perfect it well with accents I want it to be as good as it can be and I'm very hesitant on just doing something off the cuff because I want it to sound good um so having the time to develop and practice of the you know, cover of my home and and if this sounds completely bad then it's like cool I can just redo it and as I say it's just repetition just keep doing it and, and the more I do it the more I find my method and how I do it but I 100% love video games because I enjoy delving into the character of it and just kind of when you start to kind of imagine every for me when I imagine what they've been through or what they're at and the physicalization of it I just enjoy just playing with the character and whatever it might be but of course I enjoy doing the adverts and stuff and commercial wise but I love the character wise and that's why I love the aspect of motion capture as well and just so fascinated because the voice and the physicalization is just it's just so cool and I think that's what keeps me interested in it I love yeah I love the characterizations and delving more into that avenue because you, you it can literally go anywhere you're the also the um uh you're the voice of the title character in the action adventure game Pandora how, how did that come about and uh I've watched a bit of it and um or played a bit of it it's um it's quite addictive but you know how, how did that come about and uh is, is that gonna be like an ongoing thing or is that going to branch out into something else or? Well, I don't know, to be honest. So it's funny because, so yeah, it's just come out. And I believe that we're still working on it. Uh, we've still got a few more bits because uh, it is independent uh, created. It obviously has taken time. Um, I think I've been working on it for like three years now. But that's mainly... Like I do a few lines here and there. It's all the team that's doing the hard work of creating it. That's what obviously takes the time creating the game. So I'm just so glad to kind of see it develop and become what it is today because they're all so talented. But I actually discovered it through um, through my other half. So my other half, he um, 
teaches, he's a lecturer and now a course leader of um, of uh, the games kind of department in the university. So he does everything and he knows kind of everything games world, anything you can imagine. Like he's, he's just so talented and good at it. And he, um, he knows obviously a lot of people in that industry and his friends uh, have created him, him himself and friends have created kind of video games or have their own studios or in our own productions. And he's kind of definitely helped me with the voiceover world of navigating it a bit more because I had no idea. I was like, cool, I want to get voiceover. And he's like, how? Like, I don't know. So he's definitely helped me with that. And he was actually the one who was being a, being a, um, oh, I don't want to butcher the words. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is my problem. I'm not with the right word. Um, like uh, a, an artist he was an artist on the game uh initially and he started when they first started creating and they were bless him he always like pitches me to him if he's in or something he's like oh do you need a voiceover actor so and I was still learning as well so he was like do you need someone they were like actually yeah we do need someone for the leads and I was like yeah me 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 I'll do I'll do it so I've been really lucky on that one um to get my foot in the door that way and then when they're like oh do you know anyone who can do this and I'm like yes he's my friend here's this is that like whatever you do I think it's all about just helping one another if you have an opportunity and they go oh do you need someone and then you just you just make it more public um so yeah it's different for every project because some projects voiceover particularly I found myself um and others it has been fortunately through connections and that's when you do realise it. That is what the industry is about, is about connections and building net, building your network. Um, but yeah, so cool to see it out now. And obviously it's still in process, but it's oh, it's nuts when you can just be like, that's me, that's my voice. Like uh, I found another game that I was in the other week because I was like, you you start to create like reels and stuff for the year. And I was like, oh my God, it's me. As much as obviously I'm very critical when I hear myself and I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound realistic or doesn't sound believable it's still so cool and I think that's what keeps me going and wanting to be in more to just improving it but um yes it's nuts I love it it's so cool (laughs) I'm glad like you like you find it comfortable like doing voiceover work and and, and stuff because I can't stand the sound of my own voice as in I don't like my voice I sound terrible and I could just about listen back to these interviews because I just dread hearing myself back and I'm like uh, in the editing stage, my friend Mike, who does the editing, he, um, I tell him to turn it down when my voice comes on because I can't stand it. He's <laughs> he just, he oh, something. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can really go, you know, sometimes when you hear it, and you're like, oh my god, do I sound like that? Yeah. And it's so hard to to get past that bit of stop being so critical, or cringing at yourself, and you try. That's what's really helped slowly developing in, in my studio of trying to not pay too much attention or being like oh my god I hate how it sounds I sound so annoying and actually think okay what what take sounds good what is good like the more technical side of it and I think focusing more on the more uh, focusing on the more technical aspects of it and what sounds better professionally and for the role or anything like that it's definitely helped me ignore the kind of like I sound so annoying especially after replay it over and over again and it's just like, oh my god, shut up! <laughs> so I, I know you're, I feel your pain. So like when you watch, like when I watch myself in something, I'm just I hate it because you're like, oh my god, like 
my expressions and things like that and it's like oh it's horrible but um it's just learning I think to get over it or taking as I say taking it from a more professional standpoint of what was good about that what was bad about that you know what worked or didn't work is the most important thing definitely definitely I totally agree with that so you do modeling as well uh from what I read so do, how did you get into that and and uh do you, do you enjoy that or is it just something you'd like to do to add to your resume so I've only kind of picked it up recently um okay. like with kind of like um current age and stuff trying to get more better at social media and stuff and keeping you know, more on top of posting things that I'm doing and stuff because people do find you that way, surprisingly. As much as it can be who you know, it's also, for me, I've tried to reach out more people online. And luckily, some people have found it and a couple of photographers are like, cool, do you want, do you want to come to a shoot we're doing? You know, um, so I'm still so new to it. Like, I have some friends who are incredible models and they truly are models I I wouldn't say I'm a model because I'm not to that extent because again it's such a career path like you know I never want to look down on people's journeys of it because getting into modeling is hard like especially to you know the industry level like the high-end level of it so for me I'm still kind of playing around with it and I have modelled for a couple of things, but they are more of helping one another out, you know, of getting, they need stuff for their portfolios. I, it's great for my portfolio and it's, it's a challenge for me because I've also, I've never done it. I've done my headshots and things like that before, where it's like, okay, do stuff with your body. I'm like, mm, no, but I, I don't look good doing that. So, <laughs> so I have so much respect for models because there's so much more to it that I think a lot of people don't consider and looking natural at it you think oh yeah this this looks good and it doesn't so um I wouldn't say I'm a model just because of the respect of there's so much to get into it and stuff but I've enjoyed the experiences I have done so far and um if I got more from it amazing you know I'm so open to anything and where my career takes me um and it's a lot of fun it's challenging for me obviously because I've never done that sort of stuff before um but yeah it's a lot of fun it is good I have enjoyed it and again it's just doing different avenues and just keeping myself creative and doing things that excite me or challenge me I'm, I'm completely up for it I'm always up for that lovely nice one Sarah Orchard from the Dyspraxic Women's Network asks dyspraxia is not well understood by the general public what do you think could be done to raise more awareness hmm I do think it's definitely still not fully understood. Like for my, for me, for example, I probably don't know everything that I should know. Um, getting it out there more. I think for the younger generations and the current generations, I think social media and the whole kind of online presence is definitely a good avenue to get awareness because there's so many people online and sitting on their phones and stuff. I think, Finding a good and a respectful way and an educational way of getting that information out to, not even, you know, the current generation and younger generation, just in general, people who sit online. I think that would be a really good niche uh, to get into. And I guess also just getting people 
as 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 you are doing now, people's own experiences and saying things that they've gone through and struggled through and just trying to reach people slowly. I think like anything is it would probably take time. Um but I definitely think as much as social media and the online presence can be a bad thing, I think a good way is to try and make it good and make things more educational and just people's experiences I think the best way for people to understand I think is having an understanding or or a connection with someone else's experience and maybe going oh I, I didn't actually know that and it's just about education and there's so many I think open-minded people it's reaching out for those people and to get the, that information out and once that information starts creeping then when you know we are in person and stuff and someone does say oh, I I'm struggling in this situation, say for work in a work environment, they go, I'm struggling. That's when you hope someone goes, Oh, actually I've read that online or I saw someone say the experience. This is how I can help. So um yeah, I think online could be a great way of starting off and getting people's experiences and marketing it properly so it's the right way, but you know, get getting it out there. I think that is that is good. And just educating and that's what it's all about. Definitely. Uh, I read that you're a qualified interpreter in British Sign Language. Is that true? And what made you choose to learn that skill if it is? So I'm not certified. Um, I will say that. I have learned uh, very basics of it. So a couple of years ago, I wanted to just learn it. Um, and it's taken me a long time to learn it. A hundred percent. I do really struggle with it. And that's, I think, I wouldn't say I'm to the standards or the level of saying that I can do sign language because I'm 100% not. Um, just because, yeah, it's taken me so long to learn it. And, you know, I've things grouped in. It hasn't been the number one priority, granted. But um, the reason why I wanted to learn it is I just found it so interesting. I always have so much respect for people who can do Uh, who can speak and write in other languages it's incredible to me like it honestly racks my brain how people can like know like four or five different languages I it blows my mind but I've always been very aware of sign language I've had family friends uh, who have been deaf and I knew very basics when I was younger of like just saying hello goodbye simple things and yeah just a couple years ago it just kind of perked up and I was like I I want to learn it you know um so I'm slowly doing it and actually now that you reminded me it's definitely something that I can work on during this lockdown of actually proper sitting down and working on it and um yeah I think it's just so interesting and I also think partly the reason why I want to do it is if I can just help someone in a situation like it's so I find it so horrible to see someone in in a bad situation regardless what it is if they're struggling with something or they're clearly in need and they're in they need help and with sign language I think is something that a lot more people need should know and granted I should know and learn and I think it'll be so cool for younger children to learn it and I know some schools do that as well but to treat it the same as languages because it is a language and for some people, that is their only way of communication. And for me, 
the overall goal of learning it is if I can just help someone in a situation, even in a shop, of them maybe struggling to articulate what they want, because I struggle with my articulation and I can speak and I can hear. Imagine what it's like if you can't with one of those. So, yeah, for me, it would just be so fulfilling and it would just for me it personally it would mean the world to me if I if I knew that I could just help someone in that moment of communication when they need it and that's what got me wanting to learn it and I need to kick myself up the butt to learn it more because I do find it hard because it's very backwards and learning it and this that's what I struggle with is the thought process of of a certain bits it's kind of signed backwards so the main like so if they say are you deaf it's like deaf are you and that just racking my brain around. I'm like, oh my god, I don't get it. So it's a real struggle for me. But yeah, I do. I'm definitely going to hold myself to that, and I'm going to learn my learn it more. But um, yeah, I I find it really interesting. I really admire you for that because I, I, I've got a sister who is eighty percent deaf in both ears, um, and my cousin she um, she's permanently deaf in both ears. And mm. I've actually got bilateral deafness, um, had it since I was a kid. I've had grommets and I'm due to get hearing aids. Oh. So I really, like, really, like, appreciate you, um, you know, taking that build and, you know, willing to help others by learning that skill. And, um, yeah, it's a good attribute to have. And uh, I've, I've watched a lot of the government, um, like, press releases. And you, I've noticed, like, the Scottish and Welsh and uh, Northern Ireland governments do, uh, make it, um, evident that they're keen to, you know, advise people that are deaf by having uh, interpreters on the screen. Uh, not so much mm, here. Good. You have to tune into a certain channel to get that on on screen for the UK for the England press releases. But I feel like it, it's good that 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 sort of, you know, um, you know, assistance for people that are deaf is coming into prominence now. It's not so much. Yeah. It, it's not being sidetracked. It's being, you know, put onto the Center stage now, which is, which is good to see. No, that's so good to hear. That is good. It's good. And I read online that you enjoy taking part in martial arts, such as uh, I think it's called Muay Thai, uh, Thai and kickboxing. What is that like for you? And uh, again, uh, I wouldn't particularly say they're dyspraxic sports, but how, how did you embrace that? Um, I really enjoy them. So actually, when I was younger. Um, my dad and brother got into kickboxing and I was like yeah I want to join I was a little bit too young and they were like it might be a bit too brutal for you um so I did get the opportunity to do it but I always saw it and I was like it looks so cool um and when when I started to have a bit more time in university I was like stuff it I'm gonna do it even though I had the nerves of like oh what if I'm the only girl there ignore that like I got over that I was like I want to do it and also, I saw it more as like a skill to learn, um, especially to help in acting as well. They're always like, oh, you can act. What else can you do? What else can you do? And that was a bit worrying for me because I was like, I can't do anything else. So, um, you know, I have my certain sport. So I was like, I'm just going to see it as a sport and a way to keep healthy and learn a skill. And also just to feel confidence in myself of I know, you know, how to defend myself. And I think that's really important for anyone is just knowing a sense of self-defense but uh yeah I love it it's so much fun of course it could be quite brutal like it 
it hits your cardio like anything <laughs> but I, my cardio is terrible so it, it gets me good but um oh, I, I just love it but it, it is a bit it throws me off sometimes because obviously again it's all repetition like coordination and every now and again I'm a bit like oh wait what we're we doing so at the moment um me and my boyfriend we're he's basically teaching me boxing as much as he knows about boxing I'm kind of teaching a bit about kickboxing up kicks and it's throwing me off a bit because I'm so used to performing and stuff in like an orthodox stance like a a right-handed stance with like left foot forward right right foot back and technically in like boxing I would be southpaw because you're lefty so your strongest one is back that's where your power and it just throws me off when I have to swap between them for certain things like with uh if it's for a scene if it's for an acting role or yeah it really kind of confuses me sometimes because because it's all the coordination so you just kind of well I just have to take a step back and go okay which one is it and just walk it through initially or do it slowly like that's what we're doing okay cool and then once it's once I know it and can say it in my head it's all good so um yeah I'm still learning Nexus. It's hard, but it's good. It's a lot of fun. Nice. And I, I noticed you mentioned cardio there. I'm going to do a little bit of a selfless plug there. Um, my friend Mike, who is my collaborator, uh, the guy that sings the theme tune for this podcast, uh, the jingle, uh, he, also, he, he also edits this podcast, but he also, on behalf of my fitness uh, account, uh, but it's basically helped for you, runs a cardio um group every thursday on zoom at seven o'clock nice yeah so if you want to improve the cardio jebba you know where to go um cool all right we'll do you see me bright red struggling <laughs> but you won't see me there because I, I i don't want anybody to see me doing my uh doing my exercise it's not good sight not good look oh i agree i'm the same that's why for ages i was like oh, indoor workout indoor workout because i just go bright red and they're like are you okay and it's like, I'm, I'm good I'm just, I just go tomato. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think I did uh, karate once and I, I, I did a dyspraxic thing by not looking behind me and there was a radiator behind my foot and I went to oh, yeah. kick back and I sort of uh, hit the back of my heel and that, that wasn't pleasant. Oh um, yeah, it's so easily done. I think that's why I like the stunts help me. Like <laughs> the guys, they, they, because there's a lot of safety and you have to be aware of your, your surroundings and a lot of eyes and you know if you can see something someone else can't it's 100 percent help me a bit um, not around the house because i still i'm still so clumsy but um but yeah it definitely helps <laughs> <laughs> um, i read on your uh, online on your website that you are now usually actors tend to sort of have up their attributes and skills like horse riding and you know can ride a plane or you know can uh run a marathon or 10 marathons a year right now yeah. i'm sure you can do these but are these just things you put on your cv to bump up a little bit so it says you're a keen weightlifter skier and snowboarder now um if so what is that like for dyspraxic because i find that like as someone who can't drive you can't do anything that you can like, hard, hardly any of the sports you can do right i find it quite admirable and kind of like like wow i'm, I'm a bit stunned by it like, can you generally do those things? And if so, do you enjoy doing them? Yeah, so I can. I'm definitely, this is a mixed opinion, obviously, with actors. Sometimes people just put on there and then we'll learn it after. Yeah. But I'm, I don't like doing that because I don't want to be caught off guard. 
So I can do those things, but obviously when someone asks, they're all at different levels. So weightlifting, yes, I do. I do lift. Very, very heavy. No, I'm not there yet, <laughs> but I'm still learning. A lot of the things, um, I, I'm just quite honest with what I can and can't do because if someone goes do it and you can't, you don't want to be a liar. I, yeah. well, I don't want to be anyway. So um, yes, I do weight weightlifting and slowly but surely just working it up. Um, but skiing, I I, str- I I struggle learning a lot of my sports because it takes me so long. And especially, so I started off as a skier. I learned a bit later, well, as they say, a lot of the people, so I learned in France mainly. And most of the people, most of the kids, they, they, they learn when they're kids and they're children and they're speeding around. And I'm like, I don't know, in my teens struggling. <laughs> so for me, it was a lot of just ignoring everyone else and just being like, well, I'm learning it now. I'm lucky enough to learn this, fortunate enough. Let's just make what make do. So it took me quite a while to learn skiing. But yes, I, I can ski to a decent, a decent level, I must say. Uh, I don't like to toot my horn too much because then if they get, if I can't perform it, like oh, too much embarrassment. So yes, I can ski. Snowboarding, I'm still learning, but a lot of the time they say skiers can't snowboard because it is two different techniques. Like with skiing, for example, you have to keep your knees in when you turn. For snowboarding, you pretty much keep your knees out. And initially, I would always be like leaning to one side. And I'm like, why am I, why am I like shifting this way? But it's because of your knees and stuff. So um, yeah, I'm finding snowboarding quite hard to learn, and I'm still learning. I don't know whether that's because of my age. I don't know whether that's because of the disability, or it's just me not being able to learn it. But um, I think it's just perseverance with anything, and that's what I try and do with my sports. Of course, I break and I have my meltdowns. But <laughs> have a few sweets to keep you going. But um, yeah, I think it's just just um, taking your time with it. If you need longer, like I, I just tend to need longer learning something, but I just give myself that time and just really try and keep going and remember why you want to do it. It's like, I want to look cool being a snowboarder come down the mountain. So just keep remembering that. Just do it. <laughs> With the weightlifting, though, I've got a friend who's dyspraxic and um, she runs my fitness account as well. And um, she's trained to be a personal trainer. And uh, it's a common thing with dyspraxic, as far as I'm aware, myself included, that muscle definition is quite hard to ascertain. Like, I can't, I've never been able to get like any sort of muscle definition. I played football badly, I must say, for years and years. Um, and uh, I never really got any muscle. And I went to the gym for quite a long time as well. Could mm. never get used to the weights. And uh, So have you ever, str- do you struggle with muscle definition? Or do you, have, you, have you got quite an easy ride of it in terms of, of how, developing sort of strength, upper body strength? Do you know what? I never actually knew that was kind of a thing. I just thought it was more. So I actually, I, I do struggle kind of with definition. I've always been a bit on the curvier side which is nothing wrong with that but I do find it really hard to to kind of define but then at the same time I try and look at it's like is it just me being lazy with my diet is it just my kind of lifestyle so I do struggle with it but I'm not completely sure without properly properly like say for example having a trainer and ruling out those factors I don't know for me if it properly comes to play if it's just me being being a foodie too much but I do struggle with it a bit 
but because I always have done quite a lot of sports, I do tend to put on muscle, but it does it stay it though? Does it hold? Does it sort of would it would it do you think it would stay if you kept on doing it or yeah, mo- most yeah. of the time, but I would say it, you probably won't see it because I would yeah. still look a bit more fluffier, essentially. I don't know the right words, but yeah, you probably won't see it, but I'm always. I do have muscle, but it won't look like the proper athlete look, I don't think, unless I had the the cleanest diet. But I like food, so it's like... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Hell with muscle, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> you just work with it. I think it's, you just have to give all you got, I think. Yeah. And and the same, I think sometimes it can be down to, down to genetics as well and just might not be fortunate with it. But yeah, I do, I do struggle with it, 100%. But... Yeah, well, nah. <laughs> I, I do this comparison all the time on my podcast between my, myself, my sister, who's who's autistic, and my brother, who's neurotypical. Um, he's mm. quite muscular, as best sport in, out of the three of us, and he's got the best physique. Um, I play football just as much as him, but my body would never, you know, grow where I wanted it to, and his body yeah. did. Mm. So I could definitely tell there's <laughs> some inhibitions with my disabilities physically that, compared to him who who had no disability that you could kind of tell that his body was always going to be like muscular and uh, you know it was always he was never going to struggle with that in that in that regard so that's very interesting actually I never actually considered it from that that's yeah really interesting so when you you know I'm just you know I'm just used to rolling with it and letting it all uh, letting it all go it's all gone (laughs) Exactly. It's just like this is me. I'm trying to love me for me. That's what it is. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I've got the greatest shaman in my head right now. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, what's coming up then, Gemma? In these turbulent times, what's your plans for the future? Oof. I think with the current situation, everything going on, or this current year or next, how many years? I think for me and it has been for me for a couple of years is just training just keeping keeping up my training as I said like I'm really enjoying the combat aspect of screen acting and I'm very lucky to train with the stunt team who have taken me on and um, really helped me develop him in that side of it and I would love to implement that more into my performances um, as well as my non-combat roles I it's just kind of getting into more screen work and taking on roles that I really care about and are passionate about and being fortunate enough to get, whether that be in screen, voiceover, lucky enough to be in mocap, like they're avenues that I still want to succeed and progress in. But overall, the long, long time, like long term goals is just being financially stable. And for me, being financially stable in being fully supported by my passion and love you know I think it's very real and you know the norm that most creative people have other incomes whether that be a normal job as you say because it is very hard to be fully dependent in the creative aspects I think personally especially as an actor I'll say it from from my opinion um so being fully dependent and financially stable doing things that I love is my dream and that's what I want and then I can give back to people who have supported me at, you know financially and physically like everything 
you know having that faith that I can do this even though it is hard like any any creator have different struggles so yeah definitely for me is I'd love to be doing what I love full time 100% and yeah that would be so cool just to be doing different projects back to back and working on different characters and productions and performances would be absolutely incredible that's the ultimate goal but um yeah just keep chugging that's that's my goal is no matter what keep keep doing what I'm doing but at the same time I think what's very important that people need to do more is giving yourself a break I think being more in tune with your body and knowing when you need to stop and you are pushing yourself too much or when you're just kind of like I'm, I need a break from whatever it is I'm just drained whatever way it is and just overall being more happy I think is very important in yourself and your surroundings and your loved ones and I just want to try and be a better person and be more of a support for other people and always being there when someone needs me that's what I'd love I of course love helping people as well so if I can do that along the way that'd be great just making other people happy as well or finding their passions that's what I'd love to help with as well if someone's like yes I found it it's cool so yeah (laughs) oh brilliant Where, where can we find you online and on social media then Gemma so I'm on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I'm Gem underscore Wallace. I'm going to have to remember all my tags now. I don't remember them. Um, I'm on Twitter. I think I'm Gem underscore Wallace 18. And you can also find me on my page on Facebook. It's just Gemma Wallace Actor. Um, yeah, so I'm on most of them. Gemma with a G, though. Always remember Gemma with a G. definitely yeah (laughs) brilliant i've really enjoyed this thank you very much for your time Gemma. and uh i've loved it as well it's lovely to get to know you a bit as well lovely and uh we hope to see you around in the community even more in the future yes no definitely brilliant thank you for your time Gemma. and we wish you well for the future